Morning Tailgate is live from Radio Row at Mandalay Bay. Thanks to Paul Pata Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. Now, here's Clay, Vinny, and Lindsay from the Las Vegas Strip. Thank you so much for being with us here in the third hour. We got a lot going on here uh, at Radio Row inside the media center at Mandalay Bay Convention Center. Marcus Johnson is set to join us from Tape Don't Lie. We have a potential mystery guest that you're going you're gonna to love at 9.30, potentially. 9.45, we'll have Ash from Salmon Ash Injury Law. Uh, can't wait to talk to Ash, too, because we got some interesting topics there, as well as uh, some great stuff all day long here on Radio Row. So keep listening to not only our show, of course, JT the Brick will have great guests, as well as Q Myers, beginning at noon here on Radio Row. And it's brought to you by Paul Petalaw. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. And at 702-365-9200, reading some enjoyable text. Mm. And, uh, and it, as, as we had to even get into, like, you know, Uncrustables and the kind of like uh, snack foods that we need, and we're going to give the guests as they approach here. Uh, what do you think of grumpy as Mexicans' idea of like, all right, this is what you need to do in order to get this thing thought out correctly? Yeah, I said uh, I turned you guys on, and I hear wet and crusty, and <laughs> then put your finger in it by clay, Thank and you. I'm like, is this the right show? And obviously, <laughs> it was the right show. Good. And and yes, you had lump options. Uh, I I just left for lunch when you're not. St- supposed to risking the chances of getting caught and in trouble <laughs> but good food is worth it and yes the uncrustables uh, from the freezer to fridge and then you eat them good stuff you guys had me laughing here at work well that's the intention there it is that's the intention that's uh we're, we're happy we could do that for you and i'm, I'm happy that uh different aspects and tenets of my personality are, are humorous to the listeners but that's why i got into this business and that's why when jason in maryland says I'm glad y'all aren't in charge of anything. I say confirmed, Jason. Confirmed. I am exactly where I am meant to be. I know that. I am aware. And I do not know all things. Here, here, Jason and Marilyn. And thanks again. We love you, Jason. And and Grumpy, absolutely. I hope you and uh, your daughter have a good time this Saturday going Goodwill hunting. Yes. Uh, That uh, that made us laugh when we were at work last week. Thank you, my friend. As Marcus Johnson joins us now from Tape Don't Lie. You owe it to yourself. Go on to YouTube and subscribe to Tape Don't Lie because what Marcus has been doing for so long has been providing content you cannot get anywhere else up on YouTube at NFL on X. And it's a pleasure to have you with us, Marcus. Good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you guys doing? Hey, great. Thank you. Uh, we're doing well. I, I kind of feel bad for you because you put out a, a great piece on, on Cliff Kingsbury and what his offense meant to the Raiders. And like two days later, it turned all around. And then you had to do it the same thing for Luke Getze. And I got about halfway through it this morning. And, and I, I want you to get into some of these intricacies of the rushing game under Getze in Chicago. And, and I'm wondering by, by your uh, vision, how much of that success was predicated on the threat of Justin Fields when it comes to freezing linebackers in in spy or wait and see mode? Yeah, so I think there's two elements to Luke Getzey's run game. I think the first element was under center. I, I think they had a pretty uh, extensive under center run game too, as well, where you know a lot of zone, a lot of tosses. That's really what they did to the Raiders when Justin mm-hmm. Fields wasn't in the game. They would do a lot of the under center running game with you know Deontay Foreman and, and really attacking the Raiders outside. And they have a really good, does a really good job of finding weaknesses in the run game too, and fi- attacking your weaknesses on defense. And, you know, setting that up from the under center. So you saw, like, Khalil Herbert has some really good runs. If you watch the Arizona game, you know, there's some really good runs from him as well from under center. So they do have that type of element to it. And then there's 
the the flip side of it is the shotgun part of the run game, which is the zone read and some of the quarterback sweeps that he liked to do. So, you know, the, the zone read was is very uh, vital to what they were doing uh, last season. And, you know, I really expect that, you know, if they, they try to go the athletic quarterback route, which I kind of expect when they bring in Getsy or even looking at Kingsbury, they're kind of looking at that route uh, regardless. Um, they use a lot of the zone read that he likes to do. I mean, it was it's pretty the big basis of their run game was that with Justin Fields, and you know, mixed in with some other things every once in a while. But uh, the zone read and you know, having to, whether he wants to hand the ball off or keep it and you know, make a big play, that was kind of a big part of their run game as well. So, I mean, that's kind of something that you know, with Jim Harbaugh kind of brought into the NFL with the pistol and stuff like that. So you saw a lot of those looks as well. But I, I, you know the run game is, has both sides to it. There's an under center and there's a little bit, of, uh, a lot of shotgun too as well. It's Marcus Johnson, tape don't lie on YouTube here on the morning tailgate. Then with that, what kind of offensive line are you thinking the Raiders might need to employ this time around? Did you feel it worked last year with the zone read process that they were trying to uh, begin the year with McDaniel's? You know, I, I think um, the offensive line of the guys who are there, like Colton Miller, Dylan Parham, those type of players, I think they fit for what Getsy likes to do. I think for Kingsbury, when, you know, when the Kingsbury was coming up, I think they would have to go get bigger because that was like what Kingsbury likes to do is have bigger offensive linemen. But what Luke Getsy has, is you want more athletic guy versus Tammy Jenkins and things like that. And I think Dylan Parham, Colton Miller, who, who are on the roster right now, they really fit that. I mean, even Dan Mumford, he, he, he was pretty good in his own stuff. But, you know, he's, he's a little more of a bigger guy. But if you want to run some power stuff, you could do that with Dan Mumford if yes. they don't go right tackle. But if they do that in the draft, there's plenty of guys in the draft they could look at that could come in and, and that are athletic enough and, and be versatile and play a lot of different positions. But they definitely have some more athletic offensive linemen, not as the, the big the big guys who just get to you know, punch you in the mouth and run a lot of power. Because um, he, he wants these guys to get out of space for some of those tosses and they run a lot of zone. Because even if you say zone read, I mean, the zone, zone read is still inside zone, split zone, it's still zone. Uh, it just has the quarterback deciding whether to hand the ball off or not. So it's, it's all, all uh, needing athletic offensive linemen to execute the system. Great stuff, as always, from Marcus Johnson, who joins us every Wednesday from Tape Don't Lie. And I think the Getsy hire signals uh, a more of a lockstepness or or a solidification of that power run game that Antonio Pierce alluded to in his introductory press conference. Just reading the room, how, how often uh, the name was brought up when, when Antonio speaks about the players on this team, is re-signing Josh Jacobs uh, seeming inevitable to you at this point? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it does a little bit. I mean, I think they have to work out the the, the money there. Sure. You know, Tom Telesco, he did definitely play hardball with Austin Eckler. You know, because you know, at the end of the day, you know, Tony Pierce, he, he can want Josh Jacobs, but I mean, that's kind of on the GM. They got to work that out and figure out the right price of what Jacobs is going to get right now. And and I think you know, if, are we going to pay him that money or are they going to give him that big deal? I don't know about that uh, at this point. You know, especially with how Demir White was playing and right. you have a younger a running back option. How much do you really have to invest in Josh Jacobs? But I do think Josh Jacobs is a great fit with Luke Getty and what he likes to do. And I think they, you know, the, the zone, inside zone, split zone, you know, split zone is something that he, he does really well on uh, running that, you know, uh, split inside zone and, and, uh, and kind of mixing that up with those type of runs is what he really excels at. And, uh, you know, a lot of stuff he used to do with Gruden when he was successful early on in his career. So I think he has that fit in this offense. So, I mean, it is something that they can, you know, build on and bring back. It's just what the price is with Josh Jacobs. you got to figure that out, uh, you know, figure out how much you want to pay him. And, you know, you know you have Zemir White here. I mean, there's some pretty good running backs in this draft as well. So, if you like, if you want to go that route, you could. And, you know, you could also pick up, 
you know, different players, you know, like James Connors out there, you know, those, those type of guys are free agents yeah. that you might mm-hmm. have to go a different route if you have to, but you definitely want to try to see what you can do with Josh Jacobs for sure. Marcus, when you think about uh, the kind of quarterback, you alluded to it, an athletic quarterback, uh, what do you think the plan is now to get the ball downfield to find guys like Getsy had worked with Devontae Adams in Green Bay as a wide receivers coach? Uh, how do you feel like this plan is to now kind of change the ball to either a vertical passing game or something that is more palatable that you can now start banking on 24, 25 points a game for the Raiders offense, which seems like an anomaly now? Yeah, I, I think one reason they really like Getsy is how – his vertical passing game is it's very um it's very uh, a lot of different variations of vertical passes and you know a, a lot of them that come from his time when he's at mississippi state i think okay. he makes some of those in so you see a lot of uh, pretty cool vertical type of concepts that he likes to set up and i, I really broke that down uh, in my cdo section it's probably the longest section i went over was all the vertical concepts that he does and they were trying you know just a few he's not the best short passing game guy and uh, I think that they try to build in a lot of vertical passes to get him going. And I think sometimes it just didn't work out of what he was seeing or he wasn't sure or he was a little late and he didn't really throw the ball. So I, I think there's a little bit of a uh, mixture of, you know, Justin Fields not really seeing everything that Luke Getzey was doing. Um, but there's a, a lot of vertical in this offense. And you could say maybe there's too much and maybe they need to put in more uh, of a short passing game because, you know, uh, vertical passes are like three-point shots. It's basically like you're a three-point shooting team right. and you shoot a lot of threes and you live and die by the three. So you live and die by the deep ball too. So if you're depending on that, it, it can stall your offense because mm-hmm. it's the toughest pass in, in football is a 40-yard pass on the field to be accurate there. So um, when, when you depend on that, it can stall the offense. I think maybe he's a little too, too dependent, but that's when you have Devontae Adams come in and, you know, when he, when he had Devontae Adams as a passing game coordinator in Green Bay, he had a lot of shorter passes. So if they could mix that in and, you know, maybe, you know, move him inside a little bit more. Uh, you know, Matt pointed on the show that uh, last year he was on the spot 16% of the time, but, like, in 2021 and 2022, over 30%. So I think if, you know, Luke Getsy comes in, he'll move him inside a little bit more and get him more in the short passing game. Which I love. I'm all about diversification, whether that's just getting it to different talents on that field or getting different looks. I want to avoid those those uh, looks that Devontae Adams was getting a lot last year where he damn near got decapitated because it was a quick slant mm. and it wasn't his quarterback wasn't doing him any favors. <laughs> How could you? Yeah. Uh, we're talking to Marcus Johnson here at Tape Don't Lie, one of the smartest football people that I certainly listen to. Uh, and he, he takes time out of his busy schedule to talk to us on Wednesdays. Last year, the Lions got a lot of crap for picking Gibbs as early as they did but boy is he special boy is he a perfect fit for that team and the same could probably be said about Bijan Robinson in Atlanta is there an equivalent to these types of talents or that perfect fit to fill a need in the upcoming draft class that almost everybody else is going to say that's dumb as hell uh, I mean it, yeah I think it's always a good running back in this draft class in the first round they'd probably be really upset about it I mean Blake Corum is out there I think that, you know he's a He's a monster from Michigan. I think it's a guy who's really fast. He has a really good combine. Has that you know, shows he could. He's really shown he could be a, a three down back. And you know when he was playing in college, so those type of guys. Maybe they took somebody like that in the first round. But I think taking a running back this year isn't as crazy. I, I thought taking Bijan in the first round to me wasn't crazy because I think he's just amazing. And I, I mean, even people talk about that he wasn't used that well. You look at his stats; they're still pretty damn good. Yeah. And, then, and then even you know Jameer Gibbs too. I mean, he was a pretty special player uh, coming out, too, as well. That was more of a special running back class. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that as much with this one. Um, a little bit of kind of more 
the smaller guys, especially the senior bowl when you're at the senior bowl, there wasn't a lot of a, you know, a lot of those big true th- three down backs or so even the guys who are dynamic as Jameer Gibbs. And Jameer Gibbs can run, he can catch, he can do all those things. So uh, I wouldn't expect to see uh, maybe a running back be taken in the first round, but I, I think you know probably there's going to be a lot of more old linemen that people are going to be upset about or fans because fans will get so, so excited about old linemen when they're getting taken high because this is a, a really great offensive line class. So I think a lot of those guys are get pushed into the first round. There's going to be some surprises there. Um, when, when it comes to the offensive line. That's fascinating. And if you go up to tape delay, uh, both uh, Marcus and Matt Holder break down the senior bowl. A great recap of that as well as a deep dive on the Getze offense. But can you go a little further into the senior bowl? What was some of your biggest takeaways on guys that kind of stood out and made a case for themselves to go much higher than previously projected? Yeah, I think that, like, talking about the offensive line at the senior bowl was really special. Uh, you, know, um, you know, Jackson Powers is the, the main person that's talked about at center, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, Fuaga was there as well. I mean, that's a, those, both those guys could be options for the Raiders at at, um, <clears throat> at thirteen, and they, they would definitely fit what Luke Getzey likes to do, especially Jackson Powers. I mean, that, that would change the offensive line. And then drafting him, but it, that, that's what I was talking about. Like that type of draft pick would right. kind of, <laughs> not be like the sexiest thing in the world, but it, it would be a great pick going forward. So uh, players like that, the offensive linemen, I mean, even Dominic Puny from from uh, Kansas. He he played three different positions. He played left tackle, he played center, and he played guard. And he's six four, very athletic, versatile. Those are the type of guys you really saw there. And the defensive line, the defensive line group is a lot of great defensive linemen too. Uh, I'm talking about Tyler Davis. He had a pretty good week. Darius Robinson from Missouri. Tyler Davis is from Clemson. Uh, Darius Robinson, he's from Missouri. He dominated all week. He plays inside and outside, about 286 pounds, and you can put some weight on him. I think you can move him inside permanently, and he can be like a three-technique guy who can rush the passer for you. So there's a lot of great guys over there. And, of course, there's the quarterback. Uh, you know, uh, I think uh, Penix Jr. thought he had a better day Thursday, uh, and so did Knicks. I think they finished the week well. Um, you know, Penix didn't end up playing in the game. But I, I thought he, he did have a better day Thursday. I think they struggled on Tuesday and Wednesday, though. And then uh, Spencer Rattler is the one who – uh, Kamai the most. Right. I thought he had probably had the best of all the quarterbacks. And then there was, of course, there's uh, Gus Bradley's son who really caught everybody's eye because nobody knew who, who he was. And he came out there throwing darts. So, uh, yeah, it, it was it was a good week. There's a good corners out there, too, as well. So I, I thought there was a, a good, uh, a lot of talent for, you know, the Raiders who had uh, Champ Kelly out there and the Raiders scouts for them to, to figure out who they wanted and, uh, you know, get a good look at those guys and get to know them really well. Spencer Rattler is a, a fascinating person to, to watch because I remember I watching Elite 11 years ago and he was in it and he had a little bit, he had a chip on his shoulder. He had a oh, little yeah. bit of an ego and, and obviously he was very highly touted. He bounced around a little bit in terms of his, his college career, but what type of offense or, or what type of program do you think is probably the best fit for his, his type of talent? Because I'm guessing he's probably going to be a later rounder, but I don't know if he performs that well at the senior bowl, he lights it up at the NFL dra- or, uh, the draft combine. We've seen stocks skyrocket before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely had, had a great week. He definitely has a lot of buzz around him maturing. You know, Jim Nagy, who actually runs the Senior Bowl, he was preaching his name about his maturity level and how NFL teams would be excited about how he's changed and how he's, uh, you know, grown up, especially yeah. being humble, being, you know, leaving Oklahoma, being replaced by Caleb Williams, you know, watching Caleb Williams just take over that offense, just take it to another level, and then him going to South Carolina. There's all, a lot of humbling things there. And I think he really went out there and showed off his live arm. He had, there's a reason why he was an number one recruit in America, and then that, that big arm that he has, and you know, he definitely has a little bit, a little bit of size issues. But you know, he was six foot, but he came in at 220 pounds, which I think is 
That's just how, how you know, he's a, he just doesn't look that way, but he's a pretty fit guy. So I think that uh, he, he is, uh, he has the ability to rise. He just has to make sure, you know, he has to answer those, you know, those, those issues that he had. I mean, it's going to come back up. You know, those questions are going to figure out. Teams have to deep dive into him, but he is a guy that could rise, you know, you know, um, just because he played in the SEC and he went out there and had a great senior bowl, he's definitely the best quarterback out there all week. And, you know, when you, when you look like that, usually teams start to gravitate to you, to you and start to rise you up. Oh, yeah, always. Uh, great stuff, Marcus. We really appreciate your time. Hey, tell us what's cooking in the TDL kitchen this weekend. So, you know, I'm just some uh, J.J. McCarthy stuff because he got mock draft uh, okay. uh, the Raiders on uh, NFL uh, ESPN uh, from Matt Miller. So I'm going to do some J.J. McCarthy stuff this week. And uh, we're going to uh, also do a deep dive into uh, Jaden Daniels and J.J. McCarthy this weekend for our first kind of draft show that we're doing this week. So, uh, yeah, so be, look out for that. Um, kind of do a deep dive into both those guys this weekend and, uh, and then keep on going and keep moving and checking out all the different positions. You might be busier than we are, Marcus. What a <laughs> what a job you do, and, and we appreciate you joining us, especially on, on Big Game Week. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, Marcus. Marcus Johnson. Tape don't lie on YouTube. That's pretty Let's make like four videos this weekend. You know how long it takes me to edit one TikTok? <laughs> like I had to start making certain types of content where like I just I don't care. Like I'll just do it and put it up there and do the minimal amount of editing because I'll spend two hours just trying to get ever so perfect. And think about what, what he said about trying to find more of an identity of what Getsy can do. Maybe we should take a look at when he became when he took some time off out of the NFL to go be the offensive corner at Mississippi State. As, uh, as Marcus kind of alluded to, like, there was many varieties of vertical concepts going downfield. And he said, maybe even a little too much vertical. Right. But, you know, in college, you can kind of get away with that because you're doing a lot of quick snap. You're trying to move around and catch people on one-on-ones. But if he can find something that, that shows you what this could look like with real weapons, Jacoby Myers, Devontae Adams, employing Michael Mayer downfield, instead of having him to sit and chip and block the whole time, yes. what could this look like? Seriously. Mm-hmm. It, it looks like a pretty big train. It looks like a frightful train if, if the orchestra has played correctly, right? If you have the right horns, everybody's got their spit valves cleaned out. Like, this could be a very, very lethal offense. And so I'm just I'm excited for the creativity. I'm excited to see uh, how they utilize the weaponry. And I'm, I just I want to see these young guys. I want to see these young guys get chances because it's not just about this year, it's about the future as well. And the more big plays to Michael Mayer and Trey Tucker, the better, the more belief they're going to have in themselves, and the higher the ceiling is for this squad. I love it. Follow him on X at NFL. In fact, let's take a break right now as we are broadcasting live from Radio Row. Brought to you by Paul Padilla. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery here on the morning tailgate. Want even more of this party? On Twitter, make sure and follow Clay Baker at Clay Baker Radio, Vinny Bonsignor at Vinny Bonsignor, and Lindsey Brown at Lindsey Brown 35. And now, back to the morning tailgate. Thanks for joining us here, here on Raider Nation Radio, live on Radio Row in the Mandalay Bay Convention Center. Lindsey Brown, Clay Baker, and you. Oh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh, next 30 minutes. We're set to have uh, former Raiders head coach and offensive coordinator Hugh Jackson will join us. Sam and Ash will join us at 945. we got a lot going on. I can't wait to join all of that as we wrap up this show at a high note. It'll be a furious ending to this thing. Well, let's just say there's been a shift. Yeah. There's been a shift from <laughs> Monday and Tuesday, and there's big timers around. They're walking, they're chatting, but I, uh, I sprinted to the restroom during the break, and 
Uh, I saw Shannon Sharp doing an interview, and there's a crowd gathering there. And then on the other side, I think it's Kay Adams, and she's talking to Baker Mayfield oh, over yeah. there. And then you know Dan Marino just walked by us, and <laughs> we got about four different interviews going on around our show at so the same awesome. table. And so I think I'm starting to understand what chaos is on Radio Row. Yeah, this is great. Now and it's we gonna, gonna get worse. Yeah, we got a taste of this, and we got a lot of great interviews coming up here, not only today, but on Thursday and Friday, as does JT the Brick at Q Myers. So keep listening all day long. And also go up to our podcast page, LVSportsNetwork.com. You can get our interviews live. And at LV Sports Network, we also have a photo gallery of all the madness and chaos that's coming in. It's so great of all the uh, legends and athletes and celebrities that we've been able to have contact with. It's all up there in our photo gallery at LVSportsNetwork.com. Lots of awkward hugs and planned photos. I would prefer <laughs> just catching you mid-moment, right? I just want to be... Sure. You know, as natural as I possibly can. But, no, let's do the arms around like we love each other, even though we just talk for 10 minutes only, and then you will never remember who we are. Right, right. It's all good. Yeah, it's all right. I don't remember a face, but I remember a forehead. That's what I'm expecting. (laughs) I know that dome. (laughs) I know know that dome. somewhere before. That thing had seating before. IMAX. You know, we had uh, we were kind of giving thoughts of like, all right, what does a Luke Getze offense look like for the Raiders? We see some thoughts on the text line at 702-365-9200. Uh, when you think about, all right, for a running game and how much money do you want to devote to one guy, like a guy like Josh Jacobs, think about the other free agents that are out there, you know, and even Marcus had brought up somebody like, uh, you know, James Conner from Arizona. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, yeah, think about uh, he had like, you know, double-digit touchdowns, most of them on the goal line. If you want to get better in the red zone, I think that's another thing you want to see is an impressive change for the Raiders' offense. Red zone numbers have to get up. Red zone numbers have to change. And uh, you know what? Whatever it takes to have that physical running game in short yardage situations, I'm happy with that. Yeah, vertical concepts for sure. But can they get the short yardage situations figured out on third down, makeable third downs, and in the red zone? Right. And we all know that uh, favorable third down situations mean that you manage first and second down really well. You're one or the other. Maybe you did both and you're able to bite off short yardage. You're you're just trying to get to third and less than five, right? That's the ideal third and five we can work with. And I feel like the Raiders, once Samir White started running and for whatever reason, he was able to get that offense into more favorable down situations and late. And so that it was just an easier moving group. And so that's that's the name of the game is trying to accomplish the absolute most with dedicating the least <laughs> right. whether that's yes. money or or extra bodies in the backfield we've talked about the linebackers in the big game we talk about cornerbacks and how heavy is the blitz right how much support does this player need if they're not exactly the most fortified how many players do you send at chris jones to try to neutralize him on the uh, chiefs defensive line Think like about it that's a right co- this is a cost benefit analysis right i barely understand what that actually entails but i think the definition of it i understand and there's effective running that doesn't cost potentially, what was his valuation? Yeah. Uh, sport track, uh, like 11.5 or yeah, something? Yeah, 10.6. 10.6. For four 10, years. 6. And, and it has, oh, there's Max Crosby. Hi, Max. Uh, just all the, all the gals and the pals today. All the gals and the pals. So we could ask him. I know. It's like a, like every time Max and Jason Fitz go by, they bump tattoos. Yes. You know, Jason you pulls they, out the, le- the left bicep. Do you think they burn a little bit? Do you think it's like Harry Potter's scar whenever they get in the same room and they're like, oh, my buddy's nearby. I can feel the Voldy. I think it's an activation process, kind of like Wonder Twin you know, powers, where they just go there and they can transform into, like, you know, shape-shifting animals. Sure. Or, or buckets of wings, ice. Put r- your rings together, right? <laughs> right, whatever yeah, it takes. Yeah, put your ta- touch. Let's touch inks. <laughs> it's Raider Nation Radio, the morning tailgate. Let's take a break right 
right now here on r 920. We'll be back after this with exciting guests as we wrap up this show on a Wednesday. Welcome back to the Morning Tailgate. Let's hear from you. Call the show at 702-365-9200. Here's Clay, Vinny, and Lindsay on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Thank you so much for joining us here on Raider Nation Radio. It's the Morning Tailgate. We live on Radio Row. All our coverage is uh, is awesome. It's been brought to you by Paul Padilla. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. We were just surrounded by like and 20 people, and now they're all gone. I actually had to turn it's around been and be two like, minutes. I feel like somebody is right behind me. I can understand being in the plastic bag as a fish that was given to Darla for Finding Nemo. Like, right. I, I feel a kindred connection with the... Why fishy, fishy? Find a happy place. Yeah. Find a happy place. Warm happy Find place. A happy Warm place. happy place. Is your happy place here with the crusties? Uh, it, crusties make me happy. Can, it can it you, helps make a place more yeah. happy. It does not make a place inherently a happy place. I have okay. turned into the person that the only happy place I have is in my nest and my apartment. I like my whole bed. day. Yeah. All I think about is getting back into my. Little controlled environment, way too small, way too cluttered, full of books I don't read, full of papers I wrote three years ago that I don't know how to classify and organize or just in piles. But that's where I don't have to worry about regulating anybody. That's where I can randomly do all my weird stuff. Oh, yeah. And I feel my body feels the most relaxed. And so (laughs) when I'm outside of my nest, I try to relax my body, soothe my body, bribe my body to make it tolerate the outside world as long as possible but the the five minutes of intense crowding and then to nothing it's it's very jarring it was it was a strange feeling and, i loved and, it, it was and we're just doing the show uh, alongside salerno's over here uh, yeah i think salerno's the only person i've ever met that might be louder than me naturally uh, honestly I, I the pair of lungs on that guy i think both you and salerno could be heard in the womb I think that's like <laughs> sitting in her chair. Our lungs developed first. <laughs> and we were talking about uh, Luke Getze uh, being officially named the uh, Raiders' new offensive coordinator uh, yesterday afternoon. Jeff um, brought this up on the text line, 702 He's like, I'm not trying to pander to the hire because I still have questions, but I live in Chicago, and I watch Bears games. This is Jeff saying it because those are on, and I've, and I've been to a few because they're cheap. But I remember being in, at the Carolina versus Chicago game, and multiple times throughout, you'd see receivers running wide open but not being seen by Tyson Bajan. Obviously, that doesn't mean Vegas will have a number one offense, but with AOC or another competent quarterback, I think Getze will have that mid-tier or better offense, and I think this could be a sneaky good hire. Missing open receivers that are closer to tail as old as time, <laughs> shared by multiple <laughs> teams. Uh that was Raiders last year at points, right? And and that's part of this discussion about Getze when we talk about, was it Fields or was it Getze? Because there's a lot of times where you custom build around Justin Fields, you have the look, you have the, the play drawn up, and yes. then he goes in a different direction or he decides differently. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always mean wrong. Sometimes it, wrong can be successful, but in terms of effectively running what the plan is, allowing the unit to get to a, a point of frictionlessness, and an ease of movement that just wasn't there, whether that was the pacing, the injuries, what have you. Uh, I, I don't put as much of what was produced in Chicago necessarily mm-hmm. on Getsy's welcoming that. Yes, right, because you still need other decision makers. Yep. You need to have people buying into the system. And, you know, let's face it, outside of D.J. Moore and Cole Komet, 
Who would you really rely on as a, uh, you know, a, a, somebody who can run their full route tree? It's the Bears. Deep threats? You know, right. Clay. They don't have that. It's the Bears. Bears. It's the Bears who have fallen into a deeper hole. God, I feel bad. I actually don't feel bad for them. But in terms of being leapfrogged by Detroit and you still haven't figured it out, man. And you're not even in the pecking order for being like, hey, who's the hot up-and-coming team that's coming 100%. up? I don't know. And, you know, here's the other thing. Just as a little, like, side dish on Justin Fields, if Ty. you will. You know, because it's like Justin Fields, when he finally came back from injury, he did show improvement. The last seven games, the Bears finished 4-7. and seven, mm-hmm. And in every game he played, he had you know, over 1,300 yards passing, 127 to 208. Good, nice numbers there. Yep. Five TDs, three picks, but he ran for 420 yards for seven, uh, 77 attempts and three rushing touchdowns. The point I'm making here is that, you know what, he finally was able to find a spot where he could be a productive NFL quarterback and be super dangerous, and maybe he follows that to another destination and follows Luke to Las Vegas because he found, you know, the, he found his, like, overall game improve. And he finally was able to match up all, all the concepts and theory that you're wanting to see in Justin Fields from day one. And it looked great to end the year. Could that be a factor in the decision of finding that next quarterback? Fields? Fields. Today, my gut says, yuck. Okay. <laughs> Today, I, my gut. But that's, okay, that that's changes fine. around. Like I said, it, in terms of the emotionality, because that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. But the way, kind of how when we were talking earlier, uh, with our with our, our gambling guest uh, with with Tyler and how he was writing the script, and and how you just kind of piece together what this looks like, and I, I just in terms of a narrative sense, you're gonna go pick Justin Fields over this class of quarterback in the draft. Yeah. Because I'm. I, yeah. Good point. I don't mm-hmm. know if you can do both. I mean, Washington Kirk took Kirk Cousins and RG three in the same draft, so anything can be done. But in terms of if you bring in Justin Fields, that it feels like you're choosing that lane because you're choosing a quarterback that hasn't really turned into that veteran leader, that consummate all-pro or pro bowler, True. but you're not getting somebody fresh, new out the box either. And, and with that comes a lot of un- unknown when you're fresh out the box. And so yeah. I just think that's a very specific path to take. I'm not a huge fan of it at this juncture, but we got a lot of time to chew on it. All right. We'll continue on this here on Radio Row. Here it's Raider Nation Radio, the morning tailgate. Ash from Sam and Ash is set to join us here at the table. We got to talk to her about some things that have been happening in and around not only the sports world, but entertainment world. We get to it next here on Raider Nation Radio. Want even more of this party? On Twitter, make sure and follow Clay Baker at Clay Baker Radio, Vinny Bonsignor at Vinny Bonsignor, and Lindsey Brown at Lindsey Brown 35. And now, back to the morning tailgate. Us here as we are live on Radio Row. It's the morning tailgate. Lindsey Brown, I'm Clay Baker, and we are now joined by Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law, salmonashlaw.com. In a crash, call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, salmonashlaw.com. Welcome to the chaos. It's chaos. Yeah. I, this Radio Row is kind of a lot to take in. I just got here about 30 minutes ago, and looking around and there's a lot to see and do and i'm impressed i mean to stay focused and be able to put on these shows with people walking around celebrities everywhere mm-hmm. i mean this is impressive guys so thanks for having me oh it's a pleasure to have you with yeah, us really excited and to be fair we did talk 30 minutes about uncrustables so it's not exactly the <laughs> highest the brow stuff all the time but we know that we have to get serious when we have you on happy <laughs> national girls and women's sports day you're a yes. collegiate athlete like myself yes. uh, i'm not sure what we're celebrating other than our presence but 
that's enough for me. I, that, I mean, yeah. I tell people to celebrate that all the time. Right. <laughs> a lot of people have a problem with it, don't they? Yeah. So it's kind of like, well, put up or shut up, I guess. And and there's been a ton of uh, business news, at least in the world of sports, world of entertainment, that I want to get your thoughts on. And yesterday we heard uh, come down a merger between ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers. They're going to create their own app. They're going to have all the sports on the app. We're talking about, you know, big tech, big streaming, merging all together. I feel like most mergers are terrible for competition and for the consumer. Uh, is this something that the FTC is going to get involved in or, or get some eyeballs on? Yeah, of course. As soon as you see these large entities starting to turn into one conglomerate, there's a lot of people that are going to be looking at it. I mean, we saw it happen with Windows back in the day. I mean, mm-hmm. Microsoft, Windows. I mean, they're going to try and keep these separate to, like you said, keep competition fair for the consumer because the last thing you want is the consumer getting a, a lower-grade product for potentially a lot more money um and the only person that really benefits from it are these entities so it's going to be interesting to see i saw that news and uh, it's a lot to digest well it isn't like how much are you what's the end game for you how much are you willing to spend for this kind of you know entertainment and at the same time do you ever feel like you're getting a little cheated because i think we were all promised like when the disney app came out and the disney (laughs) bundle like we're going to get everything and it's not like that at all because (laughs) they're like oh we still control it we still write the rules and with consolidation yeah i think you you may have variety but you don't have control yeah and so it's going to be interesting to see how much of this is actually getting consolidated if it's just sports if it's just streaming if it's just Mm -hmm. like nuanced areas of both are all of these businesses. Um, but I'm with you. Look, I was all about Netflix, all about Hulu. It was really fun when it started. Sure. But now I've got so many subscriptions, and now they're, like, merging together, and you get, like, Paramount and Peacock, and, and I can't keep track of it. It's like doing algebra, and so <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm I out. think I'm looking for an easier day at some point where someone just comes in and, like, gets us back to cable or something. <laughs> right. I don't know. I'm ready to go back. Everything's just a cycle, yeah. and it ends up being uh, exactly what it was. And, and we'll see how, how everything transpires because uh, there's also still big players out there. You know, Apple's been doing a lot of stuff with Major League Soccer. They're all over the messy stuff in Miami. They oh, have yeah. their Friday night baseball. Baseball's still trying to figure yeah, it. Amazon out. wants in. And you know. a- trust me, the Bezos is going to have something to say and something to do, especially when uh, the other companies come out and take a step. I just feel like it, it's just one big race between all of them and whatever they're doing. And so, and, and we're all here. We got front row tickets. I mean, what did you guys think of when they streamed, solely streamed one of the play or two of the playoff games on Peacock? Yeah, yeah. I, not not ideal, not yeah. accessible, not inclusive. It's starting to make me feel like maybe even the big game one day could be a subscription-based service. Right, and, and I, I think that's getting away from what all of this is. It's mm-hmm. all about the fans. It's all about a fun day to bring everyone together and enjoy something. And when you start making it hard to access you're getting away from that and so i hope we kind of don't see more of that or right. they do some like free for a day incentive to keep you a member or something i don't know but i don't like this uh i don't like these paywalls yeah it's just like it feels like sports is getting too expensive <laughs> to be fans like even just getting into yeah. buildings and i know that there's a lot of people that have unbelievable history going to games in oakland with their family family form like what how much does it cost to bring a family of four to a game right now to Raiders game, to a Gold Knights game, like whatever. These, it's just been price pointed out, and and I just, 
it's not good for the growth of the product for anybody. Yeah, and you're going to see, I think it, there's going to be shifts along that line because people are going to just start staying at home and watching it on TV, and then if it becomes more difficult to do they that. They got our money then. I know. There's a merger. I gonna know. Then you're going to be going to a sports bar and watching it there, and maybe the local sports bar will at least benefit from it. But, yeah, I, I don't like seeing all the ticket prices go up, concessions go up, but that's one of the reasons why Sam and I love our partnership with uh, Dollar Loan Center and the Henderson Silver Knights. You know, that's in, that's in low price of entry we like to get a lot of kids out there mm-hmm. the, the concessions still are stadium concessions but they're not as bad no not at all um, great but yeah so we love that we love seeing kids we want the next generation to build that passion and i just want to make sure that uh we don't price people out of the the pro top tier sports that's the voice of ash watkins from salmon ash injury law in a crash call salmon ash 702-820-1234 available both in nevada and california salmonashlaw.com you know this is a continuing uh discussion but we want to at least start it off here where you know in the nhl we got two new jersey devils who among other nhl players placed on leave as five members of the 2018 canadian junior hockey team faced sexual assault charges in fact it started a year ago when the london ontario police decided like let's file an application and make the investigation investigative measures because we feel that there's been reasonable grounds for major wrongdoing on this team and it got passed over uh, how long is there like a statute of limitations that maybe in Canadian law or United States law for something like this to occur? Yeah, for a lot of states, it's very state by state, but a lot okay. of these with like violent sexual assaults or sexual assaults, they're get, doing away with statute of limitations. Cool. And so you'll see a lot of that. I, I still, if you think you've been a victim, call someone immediately, call the police, call an attorney, get working on it as soon as possible so you don't potentially lose out on those rights. Okay. Um, but uh, you're seeing a lot of people get rid of those statutes to ensure that if new evidence comes to light later on if technology gets better things like that then they're able to at a later point prosecute and so i don't know what caused this to reopen but you know in the states uh prosecutor offices are political entities and divisions and you'll see when a a new district attorney gets in office or in their position they'll look at all these cases that were passed and if the statutes are still open they'll go should we have prosecuted these Right. And so then they might go back and reopen things. Okay, all right. And, that and this isn't okay. the first sexual assault case that has been confronted by Hockey Canada because that's the Sadly, only thing that no. is, is going on right. that's unique other than it happening in Canadian cities, Canadian law, and everything else, yeah. is that Hockey Canada is a governmental entity. Mm-hmm. And they had a, a hush fund to pay off people who came forward with things like this in 2018, 2003. We don't know about any others. And that's... One of the hard parts when it comes to reporting sexual assault, if you are a Mm -hmm. victim, survivor, whatever you identify with because you're both and all at the same time, is that she did report it right away. Yeah. And it took years for them to actually get get going on it. And you're like, well, what was the reason? Did it leak out? Right. And so it's it's, you always kind of have to talk out of uh, both sides of your mouth there, but you have to report it. You have to get these predators yes. out of uh, out of our yeah. streets, and people have to take this seriously. You do, and, and you always have to remember there's two sides to these. Is there's the criminal investigation, and then there's the civil case. Mm-hmm. And so while, and every victim's different. What one victim wants as justice is very different from another. Some people want the settlement money and right. just to, like, move on and close it and get that justice. Some people don't could care less about the money and want to see them prosecuted. Again, it still comes down to whether or not a prosecutor's office is going to pursue charges. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so when Hockey Canada is settling that, that's the civil side. They, they can't stop the criminal investigation mm-hmm. from going mm-hmm. on, or they shouldn't be able to. And if they are, that's a, a new big story. But I haven't heard anything like that. It's fascinating how uh, 
this is going to divulge. This is going to be something that's a continuing discussion, and we'll try to get updates on it as this case goes on. We really appreciate you coming on today on yeah. a busy day. Ash Watkins from Salmon Ash Injury Law. If you're in a crash, call Salmon Ash, 702-820-1234. SalmonAshLaw.com, available both in Nevada and California. Rocky just texted me, the CEO. He says, uh, look, the calls are piling up at the office. What do you want me to do here? I'll get back there. Don't right. worry. He's going to make a teacup chihuahua a full partner. Oh, Thank you so no. much for coming on today. We're out of time. Catch our podcast up at LVSportsNetwork.com. For Ash, for uh, Lindsay, I'm Clay. Have a great day, everybody.